a seat to the bar and join us for another episode of McAnally's Pubcast, a podcast exploring the fun and fantastical mind of Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files series. Hosts Tansen, Jess, and Maggie bring you another round of literary analysis on this immense, immersive, and colorful environment inhabited by Harry Dresden, the world's only licensed private investigator and professional wizard. Join an active and engaged community of new and diehard dedicated fans focused on the fabulous themes, theories, characters, context, lore, and more. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast, brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's podcast, brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode 9.3, Deal with the Devil, where we are covering the novel Summer Night. My name is Tanzan, and I am joined by Maggie. Hello, hello. And Jess. November. Chapter 3. Mab makes Dresden an offer he can't refuse. Three tasks to be performed for her in return for his freedom from his obligations. Dresden accepts the New Deal and receives his first request to solve the murder of a local artist and return a stolen item. So Dresden is gobsmacked that he's talking to a fairy queen and then becomes very, very afraid. I think that's a very appropriate response. <laughs> like, Especially considering which fairy queen. They're, like roughly, I say, I'd say from like chapter like three to chapter like seven or eight, I'm just like grinning the whole time. Like I just... Like, all the books are fun when he gets hit with, like, again, like, par for the course. Every book starts out with Harry being slapped in the face with eight different plots. Mm-hmm. But, like, this one is especially, like, each and every single one as it builds up and builds up and builds up. I'm just like, ha <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, it just starts right here, and I'm just like, you're fucked, you're fucked, you're fucked. And it's, like, it's so good. It's so good. It just builds here, and I'm just, like, so ecstatic for so long. You know, I just love Summer Night. Everyone's got a little bit of that schadenfreude. You, like, take it to, like, you're just, like, me all. <laughs> you're so fucked. I think they just call that sadism at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's past beyond. Yeah, yeah fair. <laughs> Either way, I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we get a whole nice description of his icy cold fear and turning his insides to <laughs> just not getting yeah he's like alrighty then and Mab commends him on his fear like yeah you should be <laughs> yeah and she asks him how it feels and Dresden compares her to Godzilla which unfortunately Mab just doesn't really acknowledge at all like whether she gets it yeah. or not she's like huh okay so maybe, she didn't like it. <laughs> maybe she did I don't know <laughs> but yeah Dresden knows he has no advantage or defense for Mab either. Like, this is his, he's yeah, back to ground zero like, again. Oh, crap. Yeah, and he's like, he still doesn't meet her eyes. And he's like, not because I was worried about a soul gaze anymore. Because, well, you both have to have a soul for that. <laughs> but he's like, I just don't want to look, you know, a big, huge, powerful entity in the eye. Because that could be all kinds of bad for me anyways, just on its own. Which so. makes me wonder why she was prompting... T- as when she was masquerading I as human know, that for the whole soul gaze. thing was kind of, right and that's the thing i was like if he'd been like all right bitch you know would she just have been like oh this guy's like too stupid and too um Naive. impulsive right like is he too like impulsive that he's just you know gonna slap on a or swap a soul gaze with anybody at a drop of a hat everything she does is a test right? or yeah or would it have been a case of like well he just would have figured it out that much sooner because as soon as he tried to do a soul gaze it wouldn't have worked that way or would she have slapped him with some whammy because he's like yeah i know it's it's same thing i was i was kind of like that too and i was like why would you try and when it's not gonna work and it's just gonna give away your thing but Right. Who, like you say, who just knows to fuck with them? Ah, look, yeah. nothing happened. Guess what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's I think, sort of at this point, best I can figure would just be like again part of this whole, you know, trying to distract and whatever. Because she's like, oh, you can still think on your feet. So maybe it was just that whole like he didn't just automatically be like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> like, oh, well, fuck, do I want with someone that's gonna be like brain dead in a year because they soul gaze everyone they need? <laughs> you know, like. But anyway, good so point, good point. yeah, yeah. So look at this piece of Swiss cheese. Yeah, great. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> the, yeah, guy gibbering in a corner, drooling on himself. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure she does. She's used to that reaction with men. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she is. However, not useful to her. <laughs> 
Yeah, so she apparently was watching that whole Mab shit. Or, sorry, she was watching that whole Leah shit. <laughs> she was like, so I saw that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You big fat weasel. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, Harry doesn't give a shit at all. He's like, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. I'm not in this, I'm not in this, I'm not in this. I don't know if Harry's, like, leave me alone. I don't want to deal with it. I'm a afraid mm-hmm. little boy, and I want to go find a corner to sit and cry in. <laughs> like, Good thing he cried earlier, I guess. I get yeah. right. Yeah. Help some of it. It's okay, at least uh, she does give him some kudos for that whole thing, too. Because she's like, not very many people can one-up your godmother. So the fact that you managed to get away with anything and then, like, reshape the bargain with her. She's like, you get a couple, you know, you get some points for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she quite enjoys him. But that him. was that. <laughs> now you're dealing with me. <laughs> she's impressed. She enjoys him. She loves his anger, his strength. His, his, even she enjoys his fear. Like, she's just, oh, she yeah. is just like, I love this. This guy is just what I need right now. Right? Harry's a little bit of winter in and of himself. He's got a little bit of that, you know. Not necessarily malicious, but, you know. Irreverent and Yeah, like, that. you know. You may serve wizard or you may be served. Yeah, that's kind of his <laughs> problem, too. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. This is a kind of an interesting thing, too, right? Because she's like, do you not wish to be free? And he's like, well, what do you mean? Whatever. But, um, what? Oh, maybe it's a little bit later on. But anyways, he says, uh, um, I didn't think you were much... You know, for the concept. Right. And she's like, oh, on the contrary, I adore it. You know, anyone that doesn't have it wants it at whatever price kind of thing, right? So That's a lovely exchange. Yeah, just again, another nice twist on how she, you know, it's like, well, I'll give you your freedom, maybe, perhaps. And, you know, but exactly, it's like, sure, because I can always get something out of it. (laughs) So what do I get until you manage to buy your way free, you know, is the question, right? Mm -hmm. So... Dresden tries to calm himself and think rationally about the deal. I like that he does take the time to sort of go, okay, 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 okay. What's what's good? What's right? What do I need yeah, to do? Yeah, right. He's like, Mab just offered me a sweet, sweet deal, like candy, you know, like Halloween candy. He's like, so I better check for cyanide and razor blades. Yeah, right. And he reminds himself that Faye have a way of making sure further bargains only get you deeper into, instead of into the clear, as he puts, just like credit card companies or those Student, student loan, loan people. people. <laughs> now that now there's evil for you. Right. Damn right. Right. <laughs> I'm thinking about a Jim Butcher right now, freshly out of college. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I read right. some. That reminds me of a meme too. Like there's a, one of my friends posted that she like 20 years ago got a twenty thousand dollar loan for for student loan, paid it off, has paid it off several times, and still owes two hundred thousand dollars now. Because of interest, yep. Yeah. Complete bullshit. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. How hard is that, right? Yeah, so, which just verifies for you, there is evil for you. Correct, correct. Mm-hmm. Still appropriate today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, folks, stay in school. Go get a degree. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Might as well it. just be a wizard. Put your eye in the yellow book. <laughs> the yellow book pages. <laughs> so yeah, so he starts trying to plug whatever holes he can come up with and foresee that might be there does a fine job it's not terrible trying to cover his tracks there with that you know oh he does mm. a fine job yeah yeah well yeah he, like, he you can't he, trade it off to anyone else because obviously that's fucking right, sucks. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> make sure you cover that one from now on keep trading it up worse and worse and worse right i mean exactly if he was worried about what leah could do well yeah i mean she, could, she could trade it to don ortega well, yeah. Mab sets those terms, which are really quite very simple terms. She requires three tasks from Dresden, and when they're fulfilled, the obligations to her completely just cease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's it. That's all you have to do. Yep. What? That's it? <laughs> yeah. Which Dresden immediately questions. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, no. What, yeah. What, nah. So he's like, so I get to pick what they are. Like, you can't make me do anything. And she's like, yeah, no, no. Yeah, no punishment for refusing yeah, something. Refuse, there's yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> and not by proxy either, right? You know, you can't send the minions out to torture him or whatever. Or, you know, if he says no, she can't do anything about it. I like that he adds that Mab can't sell sell it off anymore. So, mm-hmm. like, n- none of this, this tradesies again. Uh-uh. Yeah. And then he's like, so I just come past you with the salt three times and it's over, right? And she's like, yeah, not that easy. <laughs> Maybe, but no. There was this one great description that I loved of Butcher's, and it's how he d- describes Mab's laugh. She laughed, mm-hmm. 
It sounded as merry, clear, and as lovely as bells if somebody pressed them against my teeth while they were still ringing. Yeah. That's a very vivid, isn't it, too? It's a little, like, visceral for me. Like, I I don't know if it's because I'm a musician, like, for background, but I think of... (laughs) That, that, like, makes my skin crawl and my hair stand on it and, like, thinking of, like, a tuning fork or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, no. (laughs) Yike. Yeah, it's like nails and chalkboard. It's just very, very not good. This is irrelevant to the podcast, but, like, that's, like, when I see gore, people start describing it. It's like my brain just starts screaming. It's like, I gotta make this sound myself or else it's just in my head and I'm gonna die. Get her away. Right? Yes, another very good description there. Really like Not that. of good things, but <laughs> it definitely, yeah, it makes you feel it. Mm-hmm. So he tries to cover all his bases. And Mab is kind of impressed by this too, right? She's like the whole, you know, fool me twice, shame on me. So she's like, all right, again. You're still like in a shitty, like you can tell. Mortals you're, are idiots, but you're not the biggest you're, idiot. Mortals, of mortals are idiots. You're impressed and you're scared by a, the queen standing in front of you, but you're still trying to rationalize and cover as many bases as you can. And I mean, I'm a fairy queen, so you're never going to get them all. But you're trying. <laughs> yeah, you're trying. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you got to I appreciate the effort. That's exactly right. Because, again, she does want something. She doesn't need something useful out of him. She doesn't need the Swiss cheese or the guy gibbering in a corner, right? So he's like, well, against my better judgment, and goes ahead and makes a deal with her anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So he still kind of knows, like, I shouldn't, and I'm sure I haven't caught everything, but I'm kind of in a bind. And I kind of like the way, you know, he sort of justifies it by, you know, better to take action and maybe have some regrets or consequences than to not do anything and, you know, get steamrolled or whatever, right? So. Well, and he almost instantly regrets it. But if you think about it, like, what option did he really oh, have? Like, he didn't exactly. have one. Mab owns his debt, so he just... Well, yeah. This is well, your one way out, or she gets to tell you and control you for the rest of your she's life. She's being nice, technically, right? by being like, you can do three tasks for me of your own choosing, when really she could just be like, you're doing this, go, bitch. Yeah. Right? But she kind of does anyway. Well, well, obviously, obviously, obviously it's like, more he's tricked into doing whatever is, the fuck she wants anyways, but yeah. she's doing a bit more of a rigmarole than she necessarily has to, you yeah, know? Yeah, for some reason, she's she's like begetting on his free will like she really wants that choice from him and she says in the last chapter too you know like oh i'm just hedging my bets and that's very mad like no matter what the fair gonna come up winning they've well, got a yeah. hundred eventualities for a hundred different situations and for yeah. whatever reason she wants she just she didn't just like you know she wasn't bored walking down the street and just picked one random mortal to harass she sees harry as like as much as even bianca did you know like you've got this guy and you see a lot of potential and you're like this mm. is i can mold I him can to be most useful for me right yeah. so he's well. got some good glimmer of of potential and like that power like that raw power i think yeah what the council hates about <laughs> right? yeah exactly for all the good does it's like it's great but yeah but yes, no, she's definitely is contingencies upon contingencies upon contingencies, right? So yeah, either way, you know, fine. If she doesn't get this time what she wants out of him, there's always something else somewhere else, right? But I think that is part of it too. Like, I mean, obviously because she bought his debt, she's just shown she does have a certain amount of, of actual control over him with the whole letter opener and stuff like that. But isn't that a lot of the whole thing with the fairies and the and the trickery and the, they kind of need the free will. They kind of need you to accept and go into the bargain, right? Like, Same, I don't think they need it, but I think they really get off on it. Well, maybe that's just the... Like, choose me. Choose me. Yeah. I don't need you to choose me, but I want you to choose me. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's all it is. Because I, yeah. I know Leah, Leah, like the the, the, the foundation that she's based off of is as a creature of seduction. Like, why, yeah. would, why wouldn't Mab be any different in, in that Yeah, no, in that I regard? guess. Like, yeah. No, for sure that way. I was just thinking overall with the fairies, and I thought this was more sort of part of the human pact is what you know, again, allows them to have more of that control and whatever is if you've sort of freely given it over to them as if they, you know, doesn't it provide more loopholes if they, but maybe not. Really, like, fucked up, but, like, that just, like, remind, it kind of, like, made me think in my head, like, the difference between, like, Joffrey and Littlefinger. Where it's like Joffrey was just like, I'm no gonna idea fucking what you're talking like, about. it's Game of Thrones, so you don't know. Yeah. Oh, but like, okay, yeah. Where like Joffrey was just like, I'm gonna torture every single person in this place because I'm the king and I can do whatever you want. Whereas Joffrey was like, oh no, you're gonna come begging and crawling to me and then I'm gonna ruin your life. It was like a lot more <laughs> right. like Joffrey was just like out in the world bashing heads because he could, but Littlefinger was like in the background the whole time. Just that like, covert oh, power. I'll destroy your life and you'll be asking me to do it the whole time, you know? Like, mm-hmm. just like evil, just ugh. Just right. like a different kind of icky. It's right. still horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but 
So Mab does present Dresden with an envelope containing her first request. Within are the details of, of a man's Where death. Where did she get that envelope? She doesn't have a purse. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> she just magicked it up. She doesn't yeah. care now. Poop. Yeah. <laughs> Within are the details of a man's death. I wish you to vindicate me of it by discovering the identity, the identity of his killer and return what was stolen from him. And we learn that the dead man is Ronald Rule, a local artist. And mm-hmm. people are, the police have already deemed the death as an accident, which Mab vehemently is like, no, no, that's not it. No, not that. Definitely a murder, one of which I am being accused of, and I don't want to be accused of it because that causes bigger shit on the whole. Fix it right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's like, what do you care? The cops aren't asking after you. And she's like, ah, uh, there's other authorities than just yeah. murder law, you dick. Which is totally <laughs> hilarious because, yeah, like, she's like, yeah, you're yeah. right. I don't give a shit about the cops. Good <laughs> job. Good the detective skills in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and she sort of tells him it's none of his business in a way, too. Like, right. no, this is just justice, and that's all you need yeah. to know. That's it. That's yeah, it. So I want you to do it. That's all I've asked you to do. So you're going to do it. That's <laughs> Also, real quick, almost everybody knows this, but for those who do not know, yep. Ronald Rule, J.R.R. Tolkien was his middle names. He oh, I didn't know that. He he went, oh, yeah, I was going to say, we've all talked about it before, so I know. Oh, <gasps> cool. So that's where Ronald Rule comes from. I'm sure we have, and from. I'm pretty sure she said that the last time, too, folks. Sure, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's so cool. <laughs> a really fun thing for me in my life is both Mom and Tanzan just tell me a story I've already heard, and I just pretend to be surprised because I can't tell them I've heard this story every day I meet them. <laughs> So I just often listen to the same story from them over and Not over and every over time. again. Okay, you Not every time I see you, but I get the same story from both of you all the time. I'm like, who cares? I, I, so I really I, enjoy having a goldfish memory, personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything keeps things fresh. Sparkly, right? Everything is new and sparkly. <laughs> I was going to say, there's plenty of times when you do tell me. Or I start to tell a story, and you're like, I'm like, no, this happened yesterday. I haven't told you, but thanks. <laughs> but everybody does it, because I know. I have people in my life that do that to me constantly, too. And it's just a case of sometimes of like... You know, like you don't remember who you've told or what you've told or what it, you know. I was going to backtrack actually smiling to you because I sort of had made a note of this when then we were talking about the other thing. But when they finally do uh, make the agreement, so he's like, all right, we have a bargain, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I felt the little, you know, frisson of tension or whatever. And then Mab closed her eyes, smiling a feline smile with those dark lips and inclined her head. Good. Yes. And it's just with uh, hindsight, you can see just all the extra benefits and all the extra pleasure Mab has in him agreeing to this. And when you know down the road there's further ideas she had for him or what she wanted or where this plan is, you know what I mean? And you can just like, oh yeah, right? You know, in the moment you just think she's like, okay, cool, I got him, he's got And then when you, you know, pull back to much bigger picture, you're like, oh Oh, oh, she is so doing, like, the happy dance and the snoopy dance and the, you know, on the inside. I sit here for these first couple chapters of Summer Night, and I just just grin and grin and grin. grin. Well, I'm sure with Mab, the first time somebody says yes to her, it's all that much easier for her to get them to do her bidding every time after. (laughs) As proven. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, even if you want to say it's, like, a, a very common phrase right so it can like it could just have been a coincidence but even still harry like you know a little frisian prickled over the nape of my neck down the length of my spine <laughs> you know it just could like, be. is it just a phrase or is that just like one more yeah who knows drop in a barrel right. <laughs> the other thing uh and this is going back to dear old marsher's reading <laughs> and i'm sure most people i don't know Maybe it's popular enough, but just in case for the odd people that like aren't in North America and aren't as familiar with Looney Tunes, the Wily Coyote. So that's the whole joke is it's Wile E Coyote. It's how it's spelled. W-I-L E middle initial E Coyote. The joke being, of course, that it's Wily Coyote because being Wily is sneaky and cunning and whatever, right? So he's not just a Wily Coyote. He's Wily. But when he reads it, he always says Wile He's like Wiley E. Coyote. And I'm like, it's not Wiley E. Coyote. It's Wiley E. Coyote. And it's just, I can't help it every time I hear it. So it's one of those swell things. Do you think vampires like, have time to wrecking, watch cartoons? You're wrecking the joke, Marcia. Spike has things to do. Do you know the naming of Wiley Coyote actually has changed the name of, it's, the, the, there is, it's not pronounced Coyote. It's Coyote. They changed it. And people have been calling coyotes coyotes ever since. Is that where that? Because I do yeah. know there is that con- that that duality of coyotes and coyotes. 
So Dude. they do just to make it rhyme or something like That's Wiley it, yeah. Coyote, and then oh well, there isn't that funny. Yeah. I just thought that was just sort of more of a uh, regional dialect thing. So two things about that. You know the insult that Bug always Bugs always calls Elmer Fudd. He always calls him a Nimrod. Okay. So. Nimrod is now synonymous with an idiot or a dunce or whatever like that, right. right? But the actual legendary character Nimrod was an incredibly smart man, and Bugs was using it sarcastically, but nobody uh, knew who the real Nimrod was, so now his name is synonymous with, like, stupidity. Stupidity. <laughs> and then second of all, Bugs Bunny is the reason why everyone associates carrots with rabbits. Bugs Bunny was doing that. He started eating carrots to imitate... Um, a cigar or whatever? No. Um... Oh. Okay, Bugs' nonchalant carrot-eating manner was inspired by a scene and it happened one night when fast-talking Clark Gable snacks on the carrots while leaning on a fence. Mm. Oh, oh, I have So because he that always eats the carrots, and now people think that rabbits just like carrots, but it was just because Bugs Bunny was imitating Clark Gable. And now people think that that's just a rabbit thing, but it was just a Bugs Bunny thing. That's <laughs> funny. Right? See, this is why you The Looney Tunes, like, change our entire show. history. Right? <laughs> that's how shit, like... North People American memory road runners are like, it's like that, seven like, foot tall birds. It's like that old joke or whatever like that, where it's like um, Europeans think a hundred miles is a long way to go, and Americans think a hundred years is a long time. Oh yeah, right. Or North Americans, as the case may be for us, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's just like the Looney Tunes shapes our entire history because that's like <laughs> that's like the majority of the history we have here. It's right. like it's like we don't have anything more nothing's been on TV as long as the Looney Tunes so like, we just use that where people don't realize that like a bunch of the music that's in it is actually from operas yeah, yeah just so like anything like the most iconic sounds ever is like yeah that's like every Samsung ringtone ever it's like yeah it actually was bought first yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah it's a Samsung alarm now but exactly <laughs> yeah. and you're like oh this is the Bugs Bunny theme it's like well it's yeah, no. it's, but, yeah that's all folks except for we're not done this episode so okay where were we Ronald Rule. And this is kind of funny too, right? Because um, uh, Mad Nod had hailed as a visionary of the American artistic culture. Though I assume they use the term lightly. I'm surprised because again, I'm like, okay, here's so they're calling him like a, like an artist artist is in like picture drawing artist. But of course, Ronald Rule Jr. was hailed as a visionary for his fantastic world building and the whole epic that is, you know, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and all. So again, it was just kind of like, and Mab's like, oh, I assume they use it loosely. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to Mab, though, her definition of uh, culturally. Yeah, well, exactly. She, like, <laughs> he just like She's imagined a, a whole thing. I like created an entire world and destroyed it again and over. It's fine. Yeah, say, how impressed are you when you watched the, the, the building and fall of Rome? Yeah, right. And probably influenced it heavily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And caused both. Yeah. So yeah, creators of worlds of imagination, it says. Well, I guess now that he's dead, they'll say all kinds of nice things. But yes, a very cute little, That's so little cool. interaction. So yeah, many, it's, it's yeah. fun. Really it's fun. fun. Thanks, picture. Yeah. I totally did not see it. Yeah, because that was his first, I believe, was The Hobbit. That was when he fell in love with. Because he was, like, homesick with the measles or mumps when he was, like, seven. And his sister brought him a copy of The Hobbit to read. And that was it. He fell in love with, like, horse and sword fantasy fiction. Which is what he really wanted to write. Which is where Codex Alert and stuff came from. But this was kind of what people were in the mood for. And this is what flew first. And Nice little nod. Yeah. Dresden does ask for uh, what was stolen from him, but Mab only tells him that he'll know it when he sees it. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks. a lot. Yeah. Fucking Very stupid and right. <laughs> Thank you for not answering yet another question. Yeah. Great. That's gotta be like St. Anthony. If I take it. People are just nonstop praying to find their shit. He's like, what? What are you missing now? <laughs> <laughs> All day long, you people are looking for shit. No one knows what the fuck they're looking for. <laughs> so, uh, I'll think about it. And she's like, oh. He will accept. And he's like, he said, I'll think about it. She's like, yeah, whatever. You just like, show me to the door now. <laughs> oh my, Mr. Dresden, does your hand still hurt you? Oh, shucks. What do you think? <laughs> this is such a covert display of power just for fun on her part. Like, just... Just Co- so you know, I can do this. Covert or overt? Or, sorry, overt. Sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> like such an overt. I didn't yeah. mean to say covert. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like- just, but, but I mean, it is. It's just like this. Just, just so you know, I can do this. I'm gonna do it. There I you go. Know. And I love that she says exactly. Um, oh, I know. He's like, damn it, we had a deal. 
I agree not to punish you for refusing me. I agree not to punish you or harass you by proxy. I did that just for spite. Yeah. <laughs> I know, what a mean streak. <laughs> I know. Gotta love her for it, though. Yeah. We're yeah. around a deal, right? <laughs> like, I wasn't harassing you. I just felt like causing you pain, so that was just a straight up, you know. Like, Speak of Satan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wasn't part that of the deal. Of it has nothing to do with that. That's not why. It's and you can't kill me just because it's fun for you. Oh, shoot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, yes, another brilliant. I mean, he really does do well at... Because uh, not that Mab is likable, as not the same way that Thomas is like, he does get across, you know, this power and this aura and this... Um, She's very charismatic. Yeah, charismatic is a good way, right? Like, very regal and stately and poised and... And yet a bit of a wild card because of... And then, yeah, right? It's just like, but she's like still like, I can just, you know, it's like it makes you sort of, like you say, in awe and you know, intimidated or respectful of, but yeah, don't forget that she's just, she is what she is, you know? Well, I guess very much like what she comes to right here. Right. Where she tells him the story of the Fox and the Scorpion. Yes. And she tells Dresden, um, he will take the case because it's in his nature. And then she leaves him. Yes. Yeah. And it's so funny. Cause he has to be like, I don't know, like most of us, at least, you know, North American, whatever, most of us know these fables and things, Aesop's fables and the holes. But it's so funny, Harry has to be kind of the stupid one here, because there's nobody else to be the dumb one and ask the questions of, right? So Harry has to be like, I don't know, I've never heard of it. And just so Mab can, you know, lay it out there for anyone that's not familiar or whatever, right? And he's still snotty, but he's like, that's your story. He's like, don't quit your day job. <laughs> but yes, I love it. And then Matt is just exactly, Matt can just be like, I I can just zap you when I want just because. Well, because. it almost like makes me laugh because like, you know, like a very Potter musical. Yes. Which by the way, if you don't know it, you should absolutely watch it. So you much should fun. just believe that it's also part of the canon the same way the books and the Darren movies are. Chris you should also just throw on the very Potter musical as the third piece of canon. It's amazing. It's hilarious. There's three of them. So much Love fun. it. So good. However, in one of them, it's like, uh, they obviously have to change the uh, script a little bit to make it all work into uh, just uh, three musicals. Point is, there's a moment when Draco Malfoy and Voldemort do an unbreakable vow with each other, right? Mm -hmm. And um, they're like, you know, they're like laying out the terms with each other, right? And then right at the very end, as they're about to break, they're like handshaking, handshaking, agreeing, agreeing, agreeing. And right at the end, Draco's like, and you have to be my slave for a whole day. Ah! He's like, ah, you got me! Like Harry thinks, like yeah, and you can't send anyone to harass me, and you can't trade my deals, and I can choose whatever I want. And I was like, and I can hurt you just if it's fun for me. Ah! <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> just slip that in right real quick, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so funny though. All the words, you little shit. That's the second <laughs> time that has happened to me. <laughs> Fucking fuck fuckers. So, um, so Dresden so watches her go down the hall, and to quote it, maybe I've been shut away in my lab too long, but Spencer never mentions that the Fairy Queen has a great ass. So yeah. I noticed these things, so sue me. Now, I did a little bit of research yeah. on this, and <laughs> the name Spencer, this is reference to Edmund Spencer, who wrote an English epic poem called The Fairy Queen in 1590. Yeah. Of note, though, the this epic has some familiar characters that you would appreciate. Uh, Jess is Arthur of the Round Table and Merlin. I referenced this in our Merlin episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Spencer is quite the name in Arthurian legend. Uh, such a quick little detail that right? has, holds so much to it. Which is why I, yeah. I think even more so, Butcher's just threw it in there. He's like, because you know, you know who is Mab from Arthurian legend? We'll get there. Morgana? I think so. Or Lady of the Lake? Mm. Or, or, or. The, I or mean, all let, Butcher's got the very convenient excuse of using Multiples. many threshold or um, mantles. mantles. Mm -hmm. right. So she could have been more than one person then. Which, whereas other stories, they almost do the exact same thing, but they don't have the language for it, you know? It's like, you know, like Spencer called it the Lady of the Lake, and um, Gregory of Monmouth called it Morgana, and um, Disney called it Morgan, and, you know, like, they all yeah, use different yeah. names and different terms, but they all mean the same person. But yeah. then you read another story, and they totally think it's two different people, so it's like, you know. But luckily Butcher's got the whole benefit of being like, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Multiple mantles, bitch. <laughs> all the same. They're I all make different. It all, work. all or nothing. Yeah. So exactly. Spencer apparently never mentioned that she had a great ass. Oversight, I'm sure. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers for your generous support. It's people like you who help us to do what we do. 
If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, sign up today and get a fuck ton of bonus content, kick-ass merch, behind-the-scenes outtakes, and more. Sign up today at www.patreon.com slash rambling. Chapter 4 Harry makes his way to the location of the council meeting where he meets up with his old mentor Ebenezer in the parking lot. Ebenezer reveals two other senior council members and a plan to help Dresden from judgment of the Merlin in the White Council. Unfortunately, their last supporter has been killed, leaving Harry vulnerable to the ultimate fate of the White Council. He has a little calm down from his fairy queen running. <laughs> I guess he talks about, he's like, he's scared. He's like, not kind of in the half pleasant, like adrenaline charged way, but in like the settle in, sit down with a lawn chair and a cooler full of drinks kind of way. It's like, I'm just going to be there for a while. This isn't just like a jump scare moment. Like, okay, I'm fine. <laughs> I think, oh yeah, this is where we this is where yeah, working for the, 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 the yeah of fairies. the wicked queen, and not that she's wicked as such, but the Celia and the Unsealy and the Summer Court, and yeah, just very much like the seasons they were named for. Right. So beautiful, pitiless, and entirely without remorse. Only a fool would willingly associate with them. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and Justin reflects on how risky his life has been up to this point. I, I'd been clever a couple of times, lucky a couple of times, mm-hmm. and I've come out ahead of the game so far, but sooner or later the dice were going to come up snake eyes. It was as simple as that, and I knew it. Mm-hmm. And this like, is why Jessica he... keeps saying he's going to bite the dust before the end of the series. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh, he's always by the skin of his teeth. Like, just mm-hmm. how he gets through shit is just kind of a miracle. It is. And he uh, said earlier, too, uh, that he was like, you know, like, fuck, I wish I'd showered. I wish I'd slept. I wish I'd eaten something. This isn't the time to be outsmarting a fairy, right? Yeah, like, exactly, right? This dude is just like... <laughs> always, right? Uh, and, uh, and at least he admits it here, too. You know, he's like, I was clever a couple times. I was also really fucking lucky a couple of times. Like, I know I've gotten through this but it's gonna my teeth sometimes and I know that if it wasn't for you know circumstance or who happened to be there right so well he at least has the wherewithal to know that he needs to not involve himself in the fairy politics and he needs to figure out how to avoid this to the best that he can and same thing is that you know he's still thinking about Susan and how right he's like no matter I gotta deal with this he's like but I still don't want her like I still want to find all he wants to to do is work on the Fixing Susan. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, now I still have to deal with, you know, whatever Mab wants, when and if and when she appears to want. But, you know, how am I still going to be able to work on this and manage that and do that or whatever, right? Still make that, like, a big priority, right? And now, worst of all, after all this, it still hasn't made any goddamn money. And that's the bad part. <laughs> and that's me suddenly, yeah, getting ready to go. I'm like, I feel like I forgot something. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> a retainer. <laughs> Fuck. Right. Fuck. I should have got Mab to just, yeah. Do you think she would have given it to him anyway? Like, <laughs> I think she probably, if he had thought enough to throw it in him, because honestly, I think that's nothing to Mab. Oh yeah, she's like, got big, endless she money. Pulled like a, you know, gold lump of coal whatever. out between those perfect little butt cheeks and then like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just realized my phrasing there was gonna be. Here's a big ass diamond. <laughs> I guess a big ass diamond. <laughs> I'm sure she could have taken a ring off and that- you could have gone and it and been fine. That's it, folks. This is the end of our podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. It's been fun. Trying to breeze through it and forget it never happened. We can no longer go past this point because that was that was the end all be all. Would you like to rename the episode? <laughs> Big ass diamond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gracious. So, yeah. I think had he just been like, could you pay me for it? She'd have been like, go fuck yourself. But yeah. had he thrown in and been a little bit more clever and yeah, like, with it, she'd have been like, she would have like, yeah, taken off her like pearl necklace in that moment and been like, sure, go pawn this dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, here you go. <laughs> So Dresden drops by his apartment. He's still unable to have time for a shower and to eat properly. Which I can appreciate, but he mentions he's kind of already late. And I'm like, you're a dude. Literally, you could have been in and out of that shower in five minutes, I'm sure. You didn't have like five more minutes just to... But you also have to care, and he doesn't. Right, he doesn't care. Well, it kind of does, because he does say... Kind of doesn't. <laughs> and I don't think he wants to risk the, the, the ire of the council at this point. He knows he's already in a bad place. So I just think like... Go dirty like, and on time, or... 
Well, I, you know, I just think, yeah, I think there's a point where he's just like, yeah, I should share, but who the fuck cares? Well, all I meant is he says, I think it's more just the feeling like he doesn't have time because he does kind of make a point of being like showing up with, you know, he's like, I couldn't even shower and blah, 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 and I got to go in with all these. But again, yes, I suppose maybe it's not until after when he realizes how much more important the weight of this meeting is. But regardless, yeah. I thought this was funny. So he leaves his apartment and he arrives at McCormick Place Complex, a convention center. And and the idea of this is just really funny to what I would have expected the White Council to have met at. You know, I think of kind of druid sort of woodsy alcove. (laughs) This is very modern, I think, for them. Like, you rented the convention center? All right, good. (laughs) Well, and I think even for me, I wouldn't imagine the woods, but I could see more like, yeah, like they'd rented out like a lecture hall, the local university or something like that. And and, and what kind of, like, what did they tell the convention center? That they were like a a grumpy old man club? Like traveling magicians? (laughs) Like, what's your convention about? Well, I was going to say this day and age, you know, they could have made some like druidic history. Because, you know, again, if anybody actually sees them in their robes and stuff, I'm like, there's enough comic conventions and whatever. We're a role-playing like, group. Yeah, <laughs> right? They could have been like something like that. Or just I think like- even weirder for the convention is that like they didn't wheel in like a projection screen. They don't have posters. They don't have tables. <laughs> it's well, straight it's up just like a couple. It's not open to the public. I know, it's just, but it's you know, still just like club, we yes. would like to book out a room. And that's yeah, it. A small that's theater. Eight hundred thousand million. Oh, we shut up the sound system for you. Nope, nope. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like that would be the weirder thing for me. Is like they they didn't bring shit. Although just but there's a lot of them. So they wouldn't even necessarily have to. I mean, that whole part of yes, the props and extras and stuff like that. But when you think about it, professors and stuff still wear like at graduations. They still have the long robes and the oh, they could have called it a graduation stoles, mm-hmm. right? So they could have made it some kind of academic gathering, something or other that maybe might not have been as weird for all these musty old guys, <laughs> or maybe the people who own the McCormack place complex in Chicago were just over it at this point. <laughs> We've seen like, it These all. weirdos are back again. I was going to say, like, it's Chicago. Once you've had, you know, I'm your sure they've had their weirdos. It's like mob bosses book out shit all the time. Your curries, <laughs> your mama. Yeah, exactly. This is a little bit of everything. It's <laughs> Chicago. We don't ask questions anymore. You got money, you can have it. Yeah. So Dresden Parks and a 37 Ford in mint condition pulls up, driven by a new character. Mm-hmm. We find out this is Ebenezer, and he seems a bit like an old man hick from Missouri. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In denim overalls with a shotgun in his truck. And we quickly learn that Dresden was Ebenezer's unruly teenage apprentice after his well, altercation with According Justin. to McCoy. <laughs> yes. I but like yes. how it's implied, too, that, like, McCoy's been, like, upkeeping this thing since 37. Yeah, so this is like my thing, right? So a little magic goes a long way. Right. Well, because, you know, Ford's only came, like, vehicles, the modern automobile only came around in the early 1900s, right? So 37. There has, and it's got to be before World War um, One and Two for it to not totally go to shits on wizards. Yeah, should be, but, but my point is more like, you know, is this, like, his first car and therefore, like, only? <laughs> you know, did, did just wait a couple of years for them to get the first few bugs out, or you know, maybe, and then you know, bought like one in thirty-seven, and should I? That's I was about to say. I was about to say. I was like, Ebony's was a lot older than a hundred, but cars aren't. But so cars yeah, aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that was my point. Yes. The first car would have been too new technology. For well, him to exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, right as we learn, that's even here, funnier. That yeah, he's, he's only he, ever had the thirty-seven. He's Ford, a little yeah. old. You know, he's he a little, bought it and put it in a garage. He's like, I'm just waiting for this moment that I can actually drive this without it blowing up. Oh, fucking no, I didn't even think it was that. I think it was more just Even like, funnier. Horses were good enough for my ancestors. They're good enough for me. We don't need, you know, it's like our parents being like, I'm not going to go fucking ride around on a Segway or something, right? But it was like, he's like, he was of like the horse and buggy age. And that was like, just fine until these things, until it's like, you couldn't just ride your horse everywhere anymore. And Even funnier. He's got like a hundred four thirty seven <laughs> on his property. <laughs> the other possibility <laughs> is that one one finally gives up the ghost, just... right? Yeah. I'm not learning any other shit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not to drive this car. That's all I want. I love it. Right? I doesn't care about. Justin's like, oh, you can't really like ride around with a shotgun, like openly displayed in your truck. And he's like, ah, fuck it, I'm too old. I don't care. What are they yeah. gonna do? Let him stop me. <laughs> you know? It's like, like every old elderly man. Like, ah, they'll pull me over and I'll pretend to have forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Right? Is that old thing still strapped up back there? <laughs> so if I know that Ebenezer is from a place called Hog Hollow, Missouri, which is an actual location, and it is really in the middle of nowhere. You look at that up on. 
on just Google Maps nice and it is just a little, little pin nothing. in the middle of nowhere. It's anywhere yeah. in Missouri, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can refute that, but I don't know that much about Missouri. I'm so. sure they have at least one No city. one knows that much about Missouri. <laughs> I think that's all there is to know about Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> You know when like those like um people on the internet they try to like you know name American states and everyone's like California, New York, Texas, Florida, and then like it very quickly dissolves from there. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, Washington's somewhere here, Nevada's close to California. We know Ohio's near Texas, but we don't know which one. <laughs> and they can't decide if the state is New Orleans. Or we all know Louisiana. Maine is up there by New York, but we're not sure which side of it. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's like even Canadian here. I'm like I don't know. I've I've been to New York and Seattle. I saw, I saw this picture and it, 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 like one of my friends from the states posted a picture of this map and she's like I can't stand the way this looks and I looked at it was like what, what's wrong with it I don't understand yeah right like, like oh that's fine to me uh, yeah apparently it was an awful awful map and really inaccurate but okay yeah, no, I know I I mean to save my life I wouldn't be able to pick out Missouri <laughs> yeah probably not not unless everything else was filled in first. <laughs> And even then, this, even then, I'd be like, Alaska and Hawaii, are they on this one? one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm surprised to see you here. You know, I didn't think you ever bothered to come. And then this is where we find and get a nice little insight here. It's like, oh, last time I didn't, they sat me with this useless teenage apprentice. And it's like, <laughs> now I don't hardly dare miss one. They might make him move in again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's like, it wasn't that bad, was I? He's like, you burned down my barn. <laughs> He's like, I never did see that cat again. He just lit out and didn't come back after what you did with the laundry. And this is one of those moments where it's like so much better. I'm sure what I'm glad he doesn't really fill it in. Because your imagination of whatever the fuck happened with the laundry has got to be better than what actually like, happened, right? Teenage <laughs> boys. Bar, I get it. I don't know what. I don't know what the fuck happened to that laundry and that poor, poor cat. So yeah, so that's when we find out. So that's when we get the little bit of backstory that after they decided, fine, we won't chop his head off. That he had to go somewhere. And yep. McCoy was chosen to be the one to teach him some restraint and some discipline. Yeah, and Dresden says that you learn more patience than anything, than, and not much magic. Just to Yeah, I think he didn't really teach him a lot more. It just meant a lot of hard a lot work. Of control. Which was, you know, to be fair, what he needed at that point. He right. got his magic from Justin. He didn't need any more magical training. What he needed was... How to deal with trauma. To a certain extent that as well, but also just like how to not be angry and reactive to anything yeah. and everything. You know? mm-hmm. Clearly what he learned with Justin was a whole lot of hit first, ask questions later. And a lot so, of yeah. toxic behavior. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. McCoy was good for that. Here's how to be a human. And just that last exactly. little bit of stability. And we know like pretty much as soon as Harry hit 18, more or less, that's when he hit the road and went off to go make his way as a professional wizard, basically. So he only spent about two years with Ebenezer, but clearly it was... For all intents and purposes, a good time. A nice little cap on the end of that childhood. I think they have quite a little bit more of a background, though. The one thing that he said in there that I, uh, kind of struck me that he's got a little bit of low self-esteem when it comes to, to Ebenezer. He avoids having another soul gaze with him because he doesn't want to look at the old man and see disappointment there. Yeah, fair. I mean, I think he respects Ebenezer a great deal, right? And he owes a lot to Ebenezer, right? And he genuinely likes Ebenezer. And this isn't really, you know, he's not really feeling like tough shit right now, you know? It's kind of not the time that you want someone to be psychoanalyzing you and, you know. Well, again, this is like that, you know, parental figure kind of a thing. The father figure he never had. It's like he knows he's turned up looking like crap. Because, I mean, he does say that. Like, we were arguing whether he cared or not, you know? And he does say when he's on the way over um, that he's, you know, be sure to cut... Where I was sure to cut a devastating swath with my couth hygiene and natural grace, right? So right there, he's like, I haven't showered, I'm not dressed appropriately, I haven't cut my hair and whatever, right? So that right there, you know, I mean, think about it. If you haven't seen someone you look up to, you know, a teacher, a parent, a grandmother, whatever, right? And suddenly, you, you know, again, you know, like you talk about showing you, as soon as you look like crap, that's when you're going to open the door to the... You know, door-to-door salesman or whatever, right? And then, yeah, all the other stuff that has actually come through, like, with this, the war and the stuff that's gone on with, you know, so he's like, he knows he hasn't, you know, everything hasn't turned out as perfectly peachy and maybe some of those decisions weren't, right? So, you know, even though you're a grown-up and you're like, well, okay, my mother can't tell me what to do anymore, but you still have a certain amount of, oh, my God, right? I don't know I'm going to have to tell her this or she's still going to read my ass for doing this because I know this is not how she would have done it or whatever, you know? Well, it seems like there's a very high standard set. He knows that he's not living up to it right now. Well, it's really hard, too, to look at, like, you know, like, okay, maybe you don't want to disappoint your, like, 65-year-old mentor. 
But like your four hundred and sixty-five year old mentor, that's even worse. Like shit. Like Well, and that's exactly too, right? Harry hasn't exactly, you know, made his way in life, right? We all sort of feel a certain amount of that, I think, in our twenties too, where you're like, I don't have a house yet, I don't have a car yet. Why shouldn't my I'm an adult now? I have a job. Shouldn't everything be per and then you discover that yeah, well, you can be forty and still not have your shit together and know what's going on. But, you know, you just automatically assume that everybody older than you does, right? They all know how to adult. They all know how to run their lives. And, you know, and exactly like Ebenezer's like, well, exactly. He probably had like 400 years to get that shit straight before Harry came along, you know, let alone just 20 years, like somebody with a normal age gap between them, you know, so... Ebenezer questions Dresden's choice of wizarding robe, which we now find out turns out to be a a plaid flannel bathrobe. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So if that's all he was going to wear anyways, he could have had that shower. (laughs) This is my point, right? (laughs) Didn't have to get dressed after. Put your bathrobe on. Right? Probably still sweats on underneath, but we'll give him that much. (laughs) He needs a couple extra layers just in case he knows who's going to be at this. And this is the one thing is like, well, I guess guess it's his car, not him. But I was like, he's also covered in toad guts right now. (laughs) But no, his car is not him. That's the reason I'd have taken that shower. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah, I guess he had a couple plop on him but not necessarily yeah. to the same yeah not Although, explode like they did on the car exactly except for the one he almost kind of squished but he just right like the hand off so he's fine now ebenezer notices that too like, what the fuck is wrong with your car mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a day man <laughs> mccoy also notices the injured hand and harry just kind of brushes it off and doesn't really have to accident in the office and so, you know, you can tell that, yeah, this is where you get Ebenezer sort of, you know, does care about, you know, does kind of after the joking and the ribbing and whatever, you know, like, really, are you doing okay? And he's like, Neh. And then uh, figure out that, yeah, he's like, he wanted to have a chat with some other people before they go in because this isn't just sort of a formal you know, weekly board meeting or something here. This is the weird thing, because at the end of Grave Peril, Bob is like, listen, like, the White Council is coming to town. Like, we gotta figure this shit out in person. Mm-hmm. But then nine months has passed. So it's like, did they come nine months ago to talk shit? Or when the wizards say they're gonna do something, they're like, we live for 400 years, we're gonna get to it next week is like nine months from now. <laughs> like, That's a good point. That is quite a lot of right? time. Right? Because, like, yeah, like, at the end of Grave Peril, Bob's like, the White Council is coming. And then nine, nine months later, they come, and it's like, the wizards just have a really fucked up Timeline it could be, or could it even have been? I mean, again, without going. Or like back they and went to war so fast, just, they meant to have a meeting next week, but then they've been at war this whole time, and they only had now to finally do it. Or it well, takes nine months to actually get that get many the word out. Just, one yeah, 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 yeah. Many people. I was gonna say too. You know, the he was already sort of getting involved in this this research and right because Bob is basically like, hey, pay attention, like shit's happening, and he's like, yeah. So I mean, for all we know. Maybe a couple of months had passed in between there, too. Maybe it wasn't necessarily Fair the enough, next yeah. day. You know, maybe this was sort of an indication that... Last chapter of Grave Peril was eight and a half months after or the second last chapter of Grave Peril. You know, Peril. a few yeah. months or so. Yeah, exactly. Fair right. Enough, he yeah. already mentions, you know, the bombing attempt. And he already mentions that he's been, you know, getting mm-hmm. sucked down into this thing. So okay. I could admit the last been. chapter of Grave Peril could have been drawn out. Yeah, right, I'll so. accept that. Either way, any one of those works. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, like the pyramid sitting guy. It's like, it takes you a while to get word to that dude. So, you know. So Dresden gets quite upset and angry that Ebenezer is looking out for him, despite not being his apprentice anymore, and does not want to meet with the, the, the senior council to suck up. That's his biggest thing, is he's like, I'm not going to start brown-nosing now just so somebody will give me, you know, he's like, I already sent my poor, I told you guys what happened, that's what happened, it is what it is. If they don't want to accept that, then fuck it, I'm not prostituting myself or pandering for, you know, whatever, right? Ebenezer's trying to convince him. And he's like, wait a minute. He's like, why are you even trying? He's like, you hate the council too. He's like, you think they're all a bunch of... Uh, Hoity-toity. No, swill-spouting, lollygagging, mud wallows or something. Yeah, swill, swill spouting pack of lollygagging skunk wallows. Skunk wallows. Well, that's what it is, yeah. And he's like, I did not say that. And he's like, yeah, you totally did. And he's just like, shut the fuck up. I did not. Right. And he, this is the first time he also mentions the Merlin. I don't think it was mentioned before at this point. Like, it's, has I it? I don't know. I don't think it has. I yeah. honestly don't recall... Either way, we get a little bit more of the structure. There's a white council, and at the top of it is the Merlin, and then there's a senior council, and then there's the white, and then there's the wardens, there's and the then Merlin, there's the white there's council. The title. Yeah. But yeah. So it's really yes. setting up what the wizarding world looks like here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a government. Isn't that funny? You can't say wizarding world now without. That just means Harry Potter. Cornelius Fudge, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> 
Setting up Dresden's wizarding world. I mean, he's pretty amused by Dresden when he says that. Oh, yeah, he's all pissed off and, like, choking and swearing and it's like... "Mm." So he drops this veil spell that's masking two other people. And we find out a little bit for Dresden compares his magic to the spell, calling himself himself a brawny thug and noisy as hell when it comes to ma- magic casting. And whereas um, Ebenezer just sort of does this elegant spell that he didn't even notice, and two people just appear. No, I was wondering about this. I I honest, I never saw it as Ebenezer. I always assumed it was Martha. So when he first because yeah. Martha's the first one introduced. But listening back to it in the last little bit, I was also wondering, because then he's like, oh, yeah, and I almost didn't notice the other guy. And I'm like, you know what? Again, knowing now what I know about Injun Joe and Listens to Wind and, like, because, you know, he pops up in other books, too, and some of the stuff we've seen him do, I'm like, it also could have been his. So I'll, I'll be honest. I was like, I never even considered the fact that McCoy was the one I was took it to be one them. of the senior council's veils. But I always, mm, well, yeah. yeah, I assumed it was either, I've always assumed it was Martha's until just recently. And then I was like, I guess it could have been listens to win too, because the fact that he was still just standing there quietly, almost invisible on his own, <laughs> probably makes it. I guess it doesn't, it doesn't really specify. It doesn't really, because yeah. I was just going to say, that who do you guys think it was? So I was yeah. like, well, and I, I totally made, made the assumption it was Ebenezer. And that Ebenezer was the one who had hit yeah. him there, which could potentially work too since he was the one that was but i mean i take you know ebenezer is a little bit too of the same sort of heavy hitter that yeah but he has yes. way more experience he's got more way experience more. and more power than harry but and he's not exactly could, subtle you know yeah, i don't know again just the, the without a whisper of power mm-hmm. to tell or whatever it always but either way whichever one of them it was just points out that they're all way the fuck up above and way better than he could do and yeah he's like holy shit i had no idea he's super yeah. outclassed so it's kind of i mean it's totally sneaky and underhanded and he's totally pissed about them like spying on him but at the same time it does work really well in his favor because he obviously had no idea what he's there and they got what they wanted which was to see the true character and nature of for good or bad Harry right. doesn't Martha's want Ebenezer like, to kind of involve an... himself in his shit. He's like, stay out of it. I've dug myself a hole. I want to dig myself out of it. I don't need you to well, throw yeah, yourself down don't. here either. Yeah, and he's still a little in self-loathing land, so... Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah that, that makes too. sense that he'd be like, don't help me. I'm going to do this on that's my own. Yeah. Well, also, I think going back to that, like, parent-child relationship that, you know, like, exactly, you know, if I go out somewhere and I try to order Jessica's meal, she's going to be like, Mom, I'm 25. I can order my own fucking meal. Right? You just... You have that instinct of, I want to protect my daughter. I want to, it wasn't me, folks. No, but her friends her will friends. do it for her. her. Friends <laughs> will do it for her. But, you know, that same thing where you either sort of forget because you've done it for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Or that instinct that you just want to still protect and or whatever, right? And Harry's like, no, dude, like, I'm a man. I want to solve this myself. I don't want daddy to come in and fix it for me. Or It's actually really funny. Because, like, just not even, like, two weeks ago, my young, my brother, he's only 15, and he wanted McDonald's, but none of the rest of us did, so we pulled up to the drive-thru window just for his window and made him do it, and he's like, I- I've never done this, I've never talked to the person, I don't want, I'm like, yeah. you tell him the same thing that you tell me you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, well, he's like, no, you have to talk to them. I was like, no, I don't, I don't need anything from them. <laughs> He was like fully thrown, but he's like, I don't, I can't talk to the machine. I'm like, you better figure it out. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> That's hilarious because I remember when it was Jasmine and Z. I'd be like, all right, I can't, I'm not going. It's like, mom, they didn't give me enough barbecue, so it's like, okay, go ask for one. I can't. You can't just go. I'm like, you just go to the counter and say, may I please have a barbecue sauce and they'll give you but, but, but okay. I'm a child. You're not a child. With- okay? <laughs> and that's how we felt. And I love that you were like, dude, just do it. Because I was like, see, see, there you get it. Mm. That's why. It made you do it too. <laughs> it's always funnier when it's someone else. So we find out one of the people that's veiled is a tall woman named Martha Liberty, who is rather unimpressed at Dresden's lack of respect for the White Council. <laughs> she states many of Dresden's flaws, and <laughs> Ebenezer does come to his, his, his defense, at least. Still, Martha has, like, the straight-up, like, bingo card of Harry's flaws. <laughs> <laughs> You've hit everything I don't like You're about you. <laughs> better, angry, obsessive, and yeah. And I was like, well, for all you can give him reason. <laughs> So he all tried to, you know, chop his head off at he was 16, so. Ebenezer really is on his side, but by challenging the Red Court when they were going to kill that young woman, no, Maddie, Haas didn't cause what happened since. They did. I read his report. He stood up to them when they damn well needed standing up to. And that okay. is a good point, too, and that is, you know, something we kind of forget. You know, it's easy to get lost in Harry and his perspective on it, right? But I'm like, it's nice to have that moment to step back and be like, you know, he's right, too. Like, you stood up when you needed standing up to. It's... 
roll it back though. This whole thing where like, yeah, Martha's like, he's arrogant, Ebenezer, dangerous. And Harry's like, that's every wizard ever. And Martha's like, he's bitter, angry, obsessive. And Ebenezer's like, seems like he has a good reason to be. And then Martha says, you know what he was meant to be. Yeah. Right. And like, for me, like, I don't want to get too big into the spoilers here. I really get this idea from like, neither of you have read it, but so this is just for, you know, the people listening if they've read it. But in Dune, the Bene Gesserit, when Jessica gives birth to Paul and she's aiming to do the whole Moaib, it's this whole thing where like, He's the chosen one. There is this chosen one. And the Bene Gesserit come to Jessica and they say, you have to have a daughter. We want you to have a daughter because, like, in the world, like, women have, like, supernatural powers. And it's like, you need to have a daughter so that we can train another Bene Gesserit and we can get another one on the field and we're going to have more of these Bene Gesserits around. But Jessica was like, I've heard of the prophecy. I think I'm the one who can give birth to the Moaib. I'm going to have a son instead. And they, like, decide what they want to have. Whatever. So she decides she's going to have a son. And also her husband really wanted a son. So she's all about, she's like, I did this as an act of love for him. He needed a son because he's the Duke. And he's like, he needed an heir. If I had a daughter, he wouldn't have that, right? Mm -hmm. But the other Benny Jazz are like, you weren't fucking giving him an heir. You're trying to create the Moaib. And we told you to fucking have a daughter. And, like, you're not supposed to be out here creating the chosen one. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. But I get the very vibe, like, like her it's just like you know what he was meant to be you know like we've got blow and i'm just like what is it what's up well that's what's just right it, and we right? don't know but yeah. again this other vague hint of well this what is an annoying thing of just like be. the whole senior council what knows justin was supposed about- to make him be what his mother was supposed to make him be what his you know birth in general like you say was he harry Whatever, potter or long bottom or, yeah, or you like, know like you exactly know? there's so many things that they don't give us reference of what was the shaping? Who was meaning him to be this? Yeah, that you whole know? Harry Potter long bottom thing, that totally too could have been it's, like, like who knows, right? Right? Like, like, yeah, you're like, are you talking about some ancient, you know, wizard prophecy or just the fact that, you know, again, given the time he was like, yeah, there's a million things that it could be. And we're like, what? What, what was he meant to be? What? <laughs> oh, well, and that's, this is the annoying thing too, is that we like consistently for the next like 300 bucks is like... Everyone being like, oh, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I couldn't possibly tell you. And Harry's like, just tell me. (laughs) Right. And as the fans, too, just tell me. Although I have to admit, in a lot of cases, Harry gives up a lot more easily than I would. Yeah, no, seriously. They're like, we don't want to tell you can. He's just like, rude. And and I get it. Like, he never has the time, but still. Yeah. I'd be like, no, dude, what? I'd be sending an email every week. Yeah. So, yeah, so Martha is all like, Martha and Ebenezer, like, we don't, he didn't have to go to war, he did have to go to war, he said, she said, and Harry's and just Harry. like, I don't fucking shut up. <laughs> well, I do along. like where she's like, you know what he's meant to be, and he's like, he's also right here. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. good talking about me, like, I'm not here. And she's like, I don't appreciate you, and he's like, well, I don't like you spying on me, and... But, you know, yeah, she's like, all the devastation, all the destruction, and whatever. Well, and even more so, she's like, do you remember me, Harry? And he's like, nah, there was a fucking hood on my head when we met. Like, yeah! <laughs> well, and she's like, yeah, I've never seen you before either. And I was yeah, like, like, what the- it's like, I know, I never saw your face either. And I was like, well, then why the fuck would he know but She's you? like, why don't you respect me? It's like, the only time I've ever seen you is when I tried to execute you. Like, Yeah, like, he's like, you not. You should have more respect for me. Fucking why? It's like, you're not even talking about me, like, to me, like, I'm here right now. And I'm like, I bet you sure as hell didn't do it when he was a 16-year-old on trial. You all fucking had your discussions and your blah, 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 blah. And I doubt Harry got to say a whole lot in his defense at the time. So Martha goes so far to confront Dresden directly and calls him out on his pain. She, you know, ends up looking at his hand and like, oh, you're hurt. You're in great pain. He's like, oh, it's not that bad. It'll heal in a couple days, right? (laughs) It's like... She, she, despite all her complaints, ends up wanting to support him anyway. Is overly convinced anyways, based on... You have your mother's eyes? Like, (laughs) that's the most annoying shit in the world. Every character with a dead mom has their mother's eyes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they're right right in my pocket. Here you go. Yeah, right. (laughs) But I just, like, yeah, like, I don't know. Living people don't care that much about people's eyes. (laughs) Like, apparently. Well, I guess maybe if you have your mother's eyes, you're aware of the fact. I don't think you've gone 25 years without knowing who you resemble or what features you got from which parent. Maybe so. Whereas I think that's part of the thing with Harry and Harry, you know, Lily and Margaret and stuff like that. It was like, you know, Potter was only a year old. Dresden was during childbirth. (laughs) So, you know, that's, I guess, the whole point is that, yeah, if you'd grown up, he'd be like, oh, I totally know I have my mom's eyes or whatever, right? But he's like, I don't know that. I never met her. And losing his dad at six may or may not really remember. And even if he remembers, you know, dad had blue eyes, so obviously I don't have... You're not going to know exactly, you know, 
there is a slight difference to that, I think, where, you know, blue eyes are not blue eyes are not blue eyes, right? And I mean, like, yeah, you can tell whether your eyes are very definitely the ones you got from this parent or this aunt or that side of the family, you know, in shape and color and, right? There's more to it than just the same shade or whatever, right? So, mm -hmm. I just wanted to double check, but yeah, Harry Dresden was born in roughly 76, and Harry Potter was born in 1981. 81 or was it 80? 80. What's 80? So yeah. Oh yeah, because nice. They're real close to each other. Hmm. Harry Potter just managed to save his universe when he was a child, so what the fuck were you doing, Dresden? He was busy murdering abusive mentors and getting shuffled off to Hog Hollow, Missouri. <laughs> Hog Hollow? <laughs> Hogwarts? <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Where can you find a magic boy named Harry? <laughs> <laughs> Look for the hogs. So Dresden is introduced to the second person who is under the veil, which is Listens to Wind, otherwise known as Injun Joe and his companion little brother, the raccoon. There are some excellent exchanges that go on here, too. <laughs> Listens to Wind. He's like, that's why he's been too much of a mouthful. I just call him Injun Joe. It's like the redneck hillbilly doesn't read. Otherwise, he'd know he can't call me that anymore. And I'm Native American Joe. <laughs> 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 Which is all of that is fantastic. And then, yeah, Harry got to go, how are, and then, how, and then the raccoon scaring the shit out of him. And I love how he yeah. goes full, he's lucky he didn't get blasted. That would have been a bad, because really, considering you've had bombs going off, Harry's just quite jumpy. jumped in the park. Jumpy, but you're lucky that all he did was like scramble and get ready to kick the thing and didn't immediately lance out with like a shot of fire first before checking what it was because boy that might not have made a good impression on listen to wind <laughs> i like though that listens to wind was also like oh like little brothers mad that you're not sharing all that food it's like it's half a candy bar yeah <laughs> like, but when you're a baby raccoon <laughs> gold mine you maybe so but still. yeah have that much not i know like i think that's the feast point in his pocket right yeah. yeah well i think that's just it exactly right it's like to have that much food and not share he's like me my old stale half a candy bar <laughs> you're right what was i thinking how rude of me <laughs> Injun Joe tells him that Terra West sends their respects. So we find out that they're, it's a very small world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is, yeah. Well, Terra West is still doing good out there. Yeah. Still doing all right. So far, so good. And might even might Have even indicate that um, Listens to Wind knows about the Alphas, potentially. Hmm. Right. Maybe the Alphas aren't the only one. Maybe there's all kinds of Alphas out there. Yes, but they probably aren't going around calling themselves the Alphas. No, it's such a ridiculous they're not going around name. calling them. <laughs> Well, no, but I just meant that there might be others that she's Oh, you think she's, like, building an army? <laughs> well, she's probably shared stories about Harry to him as well. So, yeah, he's, so he's got a little That's bit of an insight of who he is already. She wouldn't have much, but at least well, one story. I, I was yeah. going to say, yeah. They yeah. know at least. Yeah, well, I don't think building an army, but I just meant, you know, who knows that. Fair enough, because, like, the council, did they get a report about Full Moon? They would have had to probably get something, yes, because it was okay. all pretty public in the end with Marcone okay. and the FBI and... Okay. The video that disappeared. It's like, so. I know they know about Stormfront, but do they know about Full Moon? But yeah. Full Moon. I cannot recall immediately off the top of my head if they specifically mentioned, but I feel like they would have to know something. At the very that. least, listens to Wind knows what's happened in Full Moon. <laughs> exactly. Because he knows Terror. And yeah. Um, yes, that there was supposed to be, so there's seven people on the senior council, so Ebenezer's trying to get at least three people on Dresden's side, so it's not a complete steamroll or him kind of a thing, right? So, yeah, so he's like, all right, here's the other two. two. Yeah, and then we learn that... Um, Simon Petrovic. Simon Petrovic. Who just and, so happens to be the vampire expert. Yeah, and his right. whole compound um, in Archangel, which we don't know that a compound has got to have, you know, probably more than, like, ten people. So... <laughs> And yeah, that's just just within the last two days, so conceivably why Ebenezer hasn't heard about it yet. You know, presumably he's been driving up from Missouri over the last couple of days or whatever. And so they took half a dozen nobles with, you know, they took out half a dozen vampire nobles of the Red Court, many of their warriors, but they managed to kill Simon. So Ebenezer is obviously shaken insofar that, you know, these are his friends, right? He obviously knows Maddie and, and listens to Wynn quite well. He obviously, you know, again, by the same sort of a red where's the Russian, you know? It's like, obviously, this is somebody else he knows and cares about. Yeah, he was really counting on them to be on his side. for To for be on his side, but also on a personal level that, you know, he knew this guy, right? 
So, and then when they say that it was likely someone let them in because he's the vampire expert and knows so much and would have such good defenses or whatever. And Ebenezer is even more riled by this, like treachery, like somebody, right? And so there's this is- There's a mole. There's a mole. So this is where she glances at him and something passes and Ebenezer's like, no, that's insane. And she's like, you know, the wardens will say, and they- do they they hint at it here? Do they not say master to student? He's like, yeah, that's insane. She's like, master to student. You know what the word is all insane, and that's all it says. So yeah, so they hint at it there, but we don't yet know who's master to student that they're talking about or whatever, okay. right? So we just get the hint of something to something, right? And Ebenezer's like, no, no way, no. Um, but either way, she's like, doesn't matter. You know, Joseph and I are only you know the two votes, right? So we're still right. kind of screwed. So we figure out that without that extra vote, that Dresden's likelihood is the the Merlin will get somebody else in there, and he will be voted against by the Merlin and the, the yeah council. somebody that the Merlin knows and likes and approves and will be like on the Merlin side kind of mm-hmm. automatically, right? So also like we've said before, like uh, Jim Butcher was kind of like trying to figure out what kind of like fantasy swears he wanted to have, right? He kind of like jumped around a little bit between like the stars and stones and the hell's bells and he had a few different other ones and like yeah. i think this is one here when ebenezer is like guts, guts and damnation yeah right, right. <laughs> like i'm kind of glad that one didn't stick <laughs> i guess i'm like it is kind of a good um it is sort of a, an evocative sort of <laughs> but i mean i guess if you're more sensitive to things like that it would be an ickier sort of i was like i don't know i think it gets his point across pretty well guts and damn it definitely sounds like an old hick kind of hogs hollow sort of cuss I, I fully forgot that Ebenezer wasn't a part of the senior council when we first meet him. Yeah. Like he just, I mean. Just a dude. Just a dude. But, like, he so quickly becomes a part of it that I, like, have always, yeah. like, associated him with the senior council. I For forgot, exactly like, oh, yeah. one chapter, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> one chapter the entire time we know him, he's not. And it's like, but, yes, that's right, is that exactly he's not on yeah. the council yet. Yeah. And this is basically when they explain it kind of to uh, to Harry here. Because, yeah, she's, it's not just so what it is that Harry's got to be afraid of kind of thing. So she's like, it means, Wizard Dresden, that the Merlin and the others in the council are preparing to bring allegations against you, accusing you of precipitating the war at the Red Council and placing the responsibility for a number of deaths on your head. So it's not even just that, like, people are kind of, jo- they're like, no, they're going to literally, they're going to try and lay this whole thing at you mm-hmm. and blame it on you and make that the reason, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So if you don't have anybody voting for you, you know, and that's the thing is like, it'd they be can, kind of, they can put it like to general vote. So this is why you need the numbers. He is the scope scapegoat. Yeah. Well, it'd be kind of like if, you know, they brought Franz Ferdinand back to life and, like, charged him for every war crime that happened during World War II. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like every single thing that happened is because of your death that you started this whole thing. Like, Yeah, right? And, like, exactly. It's like, well, shit. So that's not what I meant. That's, that's not that's, what I wanted to have happen. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to. They didn't get to cut it. So, yeah. So they're, like, your enemies and everybody, like, this is, you know, those in the council that didn't like you and were more than content to kill you the first time around when you were just 16. You know, Morgan and all those guys. Now this is their opportunity. Like, yeah, you made it into the council. You've been able to sort of stand up for yourself. And like you say, the shit that was going on in, like, Stormfront, the, you know, we as readers were a part of. Harry could be like, um, excuse me. And he did kind of have a leg to stand on or whatever, right? But now... Now it's starting to hit him. Now he's starting to realize just how in the shit he is and the magnitude of this. It's not just like people are like discussing this war. They're like, no, we are going to blame you in its entirety. And that's, you know, when he trades a glance uh, with Ebenezer and yeah, hell's bells. I'm in trouble. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This concludes our episode 9.3, Deal with the Devil. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at freeflowrambling.com and mackinallys.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and to see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk.